0: You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced by Crawlspace Media. And welcome back to True Crime Twins, a true crime show where we use our educational and occupational backgrounds in criminology and medicine to tell crime stories. I'm Chloe, here with my sister Melina. Melina, what is today's subject?
1: Today we will be discussing a rather controversial topic. It is, quote, hot for teacher. It is the phenomenon of female teachers sleeping with their students or in other words, sexually abusing young students. People like to sort of stage this type of crime as the victim should be happy or feel lucky. They're the man, they're so cool. Like you see it in the media all the time. If a boy is with an attractive young woman who is their teacher, they should be like, oh, you know, you have it made. In reality, this kid is being victimized And a lot of people have a hard time seeing it because there is an unfortunate double standard with female predators versus male predators. With a male predator, It would be a lot more obvious because it's like a big man who could be physically imposing upon a younger victim, male or female, but with a female petite in size and couldn't necessarily physically overpower their victim, it doesn't really matter because their victim is still a child and they are still the adult and they should be practicing proper judgment and be trying to protect that child and not abuse them. I guess one of the most well-known cases of a female predator, a teacher, going after their student is the case of Mary Kay Letourneau and Vili Filau. In about 1996, the affair occurred. Mary Kay Letourneau was a teacher in Washington State. She had known Vili, who was of Samoan descent. I know it's a very interesting name, Vili Filau. I like it. Mary Kay Letourneau was 34 in 1996 when she started the sexual relationship with 13-year-old Billy Falau. She was a trusted teacher, and he was one of her students, and she had actually known Billy since he was in elementary school. She was caught... Ultimately, when her husband, Steve, found love letters that she had been hiding in their home, it sort of seemed like Mary Kay wanted to be caught in a strange way because why would she have physical proof in her home? And there was reportedly a time when her husband and four children were out of the house that she had sex with Villy on the roof of the house. And worst of all, she got pregnant. Stephen called the police and Mary Kay was ultimately convicted of child rape. She initially got a very light sentence of three months in jail with probation and she did not even need to register as a sex offender. I think that a big part of why this didn't happen was because Mary Kay Letourneau was a very attractive blonde white woman and I guess, you know, people had that double standard in their head. Billy Flaw probably wanted to have sex with her, so the element of force wasn't there. So I guess they tried to give her a second chance because she was a family woman, blah, blah, blah. But even though she didn't have to register as a sex offender and she had minimal punishment, the damage was done. She couldn't teach again. Everybody was probably talking about her, but this was nothing compared to what was to come. She pretty quickly violated this probation despite having the second chance. She was caught having sex, well, it was basically after they were having sex. She and Vili, who she was not allowed to see as a condition of her probation. I don't think she was probably allowed to be around any children unsupervised. But basically, she was having sex with Billy in a car and cops rolled up on them because the windows were steamy and the car was loitering. It feels very high school, which... They tried to explain it away they just said that billy was sleeping and that he was 18 or some crap like that and the mom his mom vouched for him because she didn't know but basically she was caught again because she was impregnated by him for a second time so this is two children that have been conceived due to child rape philly and his mom took in both girls And basically, they threw the book at Mary Kay because she ruined the second chance that she was graciously given that she really did not deserve. And I think that the court agreed after she basically laughed in their face. They threw the book at her. She was in prison for 7.5 years. Shortly after Mary Kay was released, Billy went to court to lift the restraining order or the protective order that was imposed. He wanted to see Mary Kay again, And then they got married. He was only 21. She was 43. Their two daughters were flower girls. I remember when I first read about this, probably shortly after the wedding happened in 2005, I thought, wow, this must be true love. You know, she went through prison. She stood through the test of time. And they ended up together after all. And now they're living together as a family. But, you know, that was because I was young and immature. But as an adult, I see it for what it really is. It's grooming, manipulation, and abuse and rape. Even if Billy thought he wanted to have sex with her, which I'm sure he did, it is still rape. What makes it worse is that she was his teacher, someone who should have protected him and been a role model. And I think that's what she was initially. She had that level of trust, which made it so this was more likely to happen. But she was the adult and she had the power to stop it. She claimed to not know that it was illegal to have sex with him, a child, since he was consensual, but you would think that an educator like her would know better. I think that her saying that is all just another manipulation. As time went on, Mary Kay and Billy's television interviews, every couple of years they would do an interview for a little cash flow is my understanding, It seemed to be more and more strained, and they ended up separating in 2019, officially, legally but they were having problems before that. Mary Kay died of colon cancer in 2020. Villy was at her side despite the separation. Did Mary Kay prey on Villy because of pedophilic tendencies, a need for desire or power slash dominance, or a combination? She claimed it was true love. She wanted everybody to believe that too. She also claimed in one interview that he was, quote, the boss of the relationship. She said that, he was the one that made the first move. In a childlike wonder, she once recounted a story where he stayed after class and he told her that he had a crush on someone. See, at this point, if she were truly a responsible, mature, and trusting adult, she would have put the boundary up right then and there. If it were me, I work with kids right now, And if a kid was like, oh, I have a crush on somebody, I would be like, oh, that's nice, good for you. And then change the subject because it's not appropriate. Instead, she humored him and asked him, does she know? And he answered, I don't know. Does she? When she was recounting this, she was clearly very much still charmed. But this does not make her free of responsibility. He was 13 years old when they first had sex. I'm pretty sure that the abuse started when he was 12. Even though he could have been more physically mature-looking than other 13-year-olds, she was still the adult in the situation. Perhaps history was repeating itself. Mary Kay was from California and had a large family. Her father was a college professor with political aspirations, making it as far as to the California State Senate. This all came crashing down when it was revealed that when he was a professor, he had an affair with a student and had fathered a child out of wedlock. And this was devastating, and it, I think, completely broke up the family. She learned of this scandal at age 19 to 20. She was a student at Arizona State University, which I know has a reputation of being kind of like a party school, and she definitely fit that bill. She definitely was known for kind of being a wild girl, going out, whatever, living the college life. She had apparently suffered a trauma when she was younger. One of her siblings that she was babysitting had drowned in the pool under her watch, I'm not really sure what happened, but it is said to have been an accident. And I don't doubt that. But it's not hard to imagine how her parents may have treated her after that, blamed her for that. And her own guilt, I'm sure, manifested in some ways or another. She met her husband, Steve, at Arizona State University. They moved to Alaska before settling in Washington, where Mary Kay taught and committed her crime. She later claimed that her husband was abusive to her but this has not been substantiated and no charges were ever brought about. Even if this were true, two wrongs do not make a right. It is not an excuse to abuse a child. The effects on Billy were profound. While he may have thought he was in love with her, he was stuck with two babies at age 14 and had to drop out of school. He started abusing alcohol and even attempted suicide at one point. Billy and his mother sued the school system, claiming they failed to protect him, They ended up not winning any damages. It's interesting that he still went back to her, even though he basically, you know, him suing the school was basically him saying that he was a victim. But then he claimed later that he just needed money and that he just sued for that reason. He claimed that he wasn't a victim and that he wasn't damaged, but he was. And I think he may have realized that as he became a man and started maturing and going well into his 20s, Anonymous unnamed sources close to him claim that maybe he started to realize that it wasn't a healthy relationship from the start. Villy has had multiple DUIs, one of them recently after Mary Kay died. He has worked as a DJ and at a home improvement store, but has never really seemed to take off and have like a real career. A while ago on one of his nights as a DJ, he hosted a quote, hot for teacher night. Mary Kay herself attended. I can't help but wonder if he now sees the situation for what it truly is, abuse. As I said, there's a huge double standard, and when this happens to boys, sexist people tell them to be grateful. They're so lucky. I hope that he isn't convincing himself of that anymore and that he can find peace. I hope he, as well as his now adult daughters, will be okay.
0: And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Mary Kay's emphasis on Villy making the first move was an effort to shirk personal responsibility for the relationship. It is true he had a crush on her, but knowing her immature nature and lack of boundaries, she almost certainly groomed him, setting the stage for such a crush to develop. Billy at age 12 and 13 coming forward and saying he liked her does not mean that he started that inappropriate dynamic. Mary Kay also tries to dodge accountability by saying that she was unaware statutory rape was illegal. She was quoted as saying to the media, if someone had told me, if anyone had told me, there is a specific law that says this is a crime. I did not know. I've said this over and over again. Had I known, if anyone knows my personality, just the idea this would count as a crime. In this quote, she seems to be blaming society in general for not telling her child rape was a crime. There is certainly no doubt she knew it was a crime after she served her original sentence and then immediately reoffended by having sex with Falau. Mary and Billy's daughters provided interesting insight into the couple. Apparently, Mary was a very strict mother and took a hard stance on the girls being precocious in any way. Her daughter specifically recalled an incident where Mary cut the padding out of her push-up bra with scissors. I completely understand not wanting your children to grow up too fast, but it is ironic and perhaps an overcorrection after she, by no exaggeration, ended the childhood of their father with sexual trauma and teenaged fatherhood. The daughters described Vili as a friend dad, which is not surprising because he was a teenager when they were born and not that much older than them. Flau's advice to his 13-year-old self was, quote, don't do it. This quote made me so sad. He's blaming himself, like Mary smilingly blamed him over the years. As an adult with chronic depression and alcoholism, he clearly regretted becoming entangled with Mary. Imagine being 14 years old, and bringing home two babies. Bringing home one baby for me at age 24 was overwhelming enough. Advice that Billy has given to his daughters includes the following, quote, a relationship could lead to something you think you wanted back then. You don't really want it, maybe, years later. I don't support younger kids being married or having a relationship with someone older. I don't support it. Another famous female pedophilic teacher is Deborah LaFave, who was a 24-year-old married English teacher when she seduced a 14-year-old student in 2004. She had a total of four sexual encounters with the boy in her classroom and her car. She later accompanied the boy to visit his juvenile cousin, and they were seen by the boy's aunt, who notified the boy's mother. Shockingly, she even engaged in sexual acts in the back seat of the juvenile cousin's car while he drove them around. Deborah gained significant media attention because she's blonde and good-looking. This was confounded when an old modeling photo shoot showing Deborah straddling a motorcycle in a bikini became public. Deborah was raised in Florida. She, like Mary Kay Letourneau, endured childhood trauma when her sibling was killed in a car crash. Debra was also raped as a child in a school bathroom by a classmate, a sexual trauma she apparently never processed or coped with. She became a teacher at Greco Middle School in Temple Terrace, Florida, just a year before she was arrested. She was married to realtor Owen Lefave, who wrote a book about Debra after the scandal came out called Gorgeous Disaster. I read it. Owen constantly mentions Debra's physical beauty, which seemed to be a source of great pride for him. He described his observations of Deborah's psychological decline around the time of her crimes. It was a regular occurrence for him to come home from work in the afternoon to find a trail of clothing leading to his sleeping wife. Sleeping too much is a telltale sign of a depressive episode. Owen may not have understood this. In 2004, Deborah also started to dress inappropriately and provocatively for work. Owen also noticed she was abusing substances, among other noted behavioral changes, including listening to rap music. A marked change in behavior, characterized by hypersexuality, poor judgment, and insight, is consistent with a manic episode. As it would turn out, after Deborah's arrest, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is characterized by depressive and manic episodes. She later said that she was in the midst of a manic episode when she cheated on her husband by seducing a child. Her victim struggled greatly in the aftermath and refused to re-traumatize himself by publicly testifying against his teacher. In turn, Deborah took a plea deal and was sentenced to three years of house arrest and seven years of probation, avoiding prison time altogether. She later was arrested for a probation violation when she was working as a waitress when she chatted about sex and relationships with a 17-year-old co-worker. It seems that Deborah's mental illness was confounded by severe immaturity, which is likely due to a disruption in her development when she was raped as a child. Often, victims of sexual assault attempt to normalize their victimization by becoming hypersexual, which to them may devalue the significance and harm of their experience. I find it compelling that Deborah was assaulted as a child on school grounds, and then later did the same thing to someone else, albeit without force. Being a victim of sexual violence does not excuse a perpetrator's conduct, and most victims do not later re-offend themselves. However, Deborah's childhood trauma and chemical imbalances both contributed to her subsequent delinquency. Deborah's probation was not revoked from the sex talk incident, and she has since been married twice more and is the mother of twin boys. She has publicly expressed remorse for her crimes and her friend told the media that she is filled with guilt and dread when she sees media stories covering teacher-student relationships. The male victims of Deborah LaFave and Mary Kay Letourneau likely had their peers constantly invalidate their traumas. Both perpetrators were young, attractive ladies and the boys were probably celebrated for their victimizations. It must have been so difficult for Billy Folau and for Deborah LaFave's young victim to process what they went through when their peers regarded it as a successful sexual conquest, a fantasy come true. Female victims, on the other hand, are more likely to be shamed and regarded negatively in the aftermath of a teacher-student sexual assault scandal. Female offenders receive lighter sentences, and the majority of them do not go to prison. In some cases male victims have been ordered to pay child support for children they fathered in the course of their own sexual abuse. This phenomenon of leniency for these female offenders, at least for their first offense, may be explained by what is known in criminal justice as the chivalry hypothesis. One potential explanation is the view that women are inherently maternal and harmless, and male actors in the criminal justice system are lenient in an act of, quote, chivalry, Another explanation has more misogynistic overtones in which females are viewed as the weaker and more vulnerable sex and therefore are not perceived as being capable of harm. Deborah LaFave's own lawyer exemplified the chivalry hypothesis when he told the judge that putting her in jail would be like, quote, putting a piece of meat in a lion's den. The victims of Letourneau and LaFave both suffered greatly as a result of the sexual abuse. Both struggle to cope with what happened, and Billy has made it clear that he regrets getting romantically involved with Mary Kay. All pedophiles, males and females alike, are typically stunted developmentally and see children as peers or equals. The true root of pedophilia is still not well understood in the field of psychology. However, it is known to be significantly correlated to less white matter in the brain and other neurological abnormalities, hormonal imbalances, And childhood sexual trauma. I want to reemphasize that not all victims of childhood sexual trauma become predators. However, many predators were victimized themselves. I myself was victimized by sexual trauma when I was 13, the same age Billy Falau was. My heart breaks for him and all victims who have experienced this. Childhood sexual assault is a pervasive issue in our society that is only proliferated by the silence of adults. I encourage our listeners to teach children about body safety, setting healthy boundaries and what is and is not appropriate. Teach them about safe adults who never tell children to keep secrets from their parents. If an adult asks a child to keep a secret, it should be an immediate cue for them to know that something is not right. And if a child discloses to you, never blame them for what happened and never ignore the issue. Children are vulnerable and must be protected at all costs. If you have been victimized by sexual assault and need support, please contact RAIN at 800-656-HOPE. Thank you for listening to True Crime Twins. If you enjoy our show, please take the time and leave us a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform. Keep up with us on social media, on Twitter and TikTok. We're at True Crime Twins and on Instagram at True Crime Twins Podcast. You can also email us with suggestions, questions, comments at True Crime Twins at gmail.com.